I say, well, you did it for the money. I went, no. I did it because I wanted to be somebody. And the money doesn't make you anybody. Excited to have uh, home business legend Bob Crisp on this, with, uh, with us this morning. Yeah, I, le legend, huh? Legend. I, I appreciate that very much. Not very many people call me a legend. I, I, think, I think so. Yeah. yeah, they gave me a legend award, you know, at the Network Marketing Professionals thing in Dallas this, this year. I thought they only did that whenever you died, you know. So anyway, they say you are what you think about all the time. I know that can't be true because if it was, I'd have been a girl by the time I was 13. <laughs> it's good to see you, man. It's good to see you. I look forward to hearing uh, your story and sharing with our audience. Yeah, you know, I, I've been in the industry as long as... Just about anybody in the industry. I'm, a, I'm an old guy. You know, I, I think when you're a legend, you, you just means that you're old, you know. But I've been around a long time. I have. And, and about four, I got in 1975 in uh, the Big A company, you know. We'll love to hear like where you grew up, and we'll start way back where you grew up, where you're from, and then we'll get into uh, getting started. Good, yeah. Well, you know, I'm the oldest of four boys. My, my daddy was a Baptist preacher, so you're, when you're the oldest son of a Baptist preacher, you're supposed to become one. You know, and I guess most people would argue that I did, you know, and, uh, you know, my little churches and stuff like that that my dad pastored. And uh, I went to 13 schools in the first 12 grades, so we moved a lot. And, uh, you know, and, and in 1975, I was uh, uh, getting up one morning on a Sunday morning, and I was music director of my church. And uh, I got a phone call from a preacher friend of mine, and he said, uh, I've got a professional baseball player who's on my board that uh, is in town, and uh, he's got a business. I want you to meet him. And I said, great. And he says, well, come on over about 2 o'clock this afternoon. We'll cook some hamburgers, and we'll, I'll meet you meet uh, Bobby Bolin. And so I went over there, and uh, he had a big 32-foot executive motorhome in his driveway, and, and uh, that's not something Sam had. So uh, pretty, you know, back in those days, I never even dreamed of owning something like that. And uh, so I, I asked if I could look in, look in his motorhome, and he had 10 copies of a book called The Magic of Thinking Big on his dining room table in the motorhome. And uh, I thought, well, why does he need 10 copies of this book? And so I asked him, and he said, well, we give this book out with my business. I'm retired from baseball now, and, and I have a business, that home-based business. And, and uh, I said, well, what, what's the name of the business? He said, I can't tell you. And I said, well, okay, <laughs> you know, that's not that big a deal. And uh, so about two, we, we, he, he hunted and fished and played golf and stuff. So we hunted and fished together and played golf and built a relationship. And every now and then I'd say, so tell me about your business. And he'd say, no, nah, I can't tell you, you know, you're not ready for it. And he just kept baiting me, you know. And, and about two weeks after I met him, he uh, called me and said, hey, what are you doing Tuesday night? I said, well, I think we'll be home. He said, well. Get a, a big bag of Oreo cookies and a half a gallon of milk, and I'll come over and I'll tell you about my business. I said, "Really? I got to buy I got to buy cookies to get to know, know about your business?" And he said, "Yeah." And he came over, drank the whole half gallon of milk, and and ate the whole package of cookies, and told me about this crazy business that he was in, and and uh, how much it cost to get it started, and about thirty-five dollars. And and uh, I thought, man, nobody ever makes any money out of a business that costs thirty-five dollars to get into, and. Mm -hmm. And so I was very skeptical, but I liked the guy a lot, so I thought, well, I can afford $35. And, 
and uh, he'll not really expect me to do anything and I don't plan to do anything and so I signed up in the, in the business at that time and uh, he came over to my house and we had a couple of meetings and a couple of my best buddies signed up and they thought the same way I did you know one of them was my fishing buddy and one of them was my golfing buddy and uh, so my six-month bonus check in that company was three dollars and sixty three cents and I had to drive 20 miles one way to get it and uh, he said to me he says guess what we're gonna do next month and I said well, what are we doing he said we're gonna go to North Carolina Asheville North Carolina to a family reunion I said I ain't got no family in North Carolina he said well it's not only it's not your real family family it's your network marketing family and and uh, I said really I'm gonna spend my whole three dollar and sixty three cent bonus check going to North Carolina you do realize I've got five kids three of which are under the age of three and uh, he said yeah I'll just bring bring them along too and so we loaded up the van and went to North Carolina Asheville North Carolina to the Grove Park Inn and there was about 600 people there and I got my golfing buddy who was my next-door neighbor in and I talked him into going to the event with me and I said look here's the plan we'll play golf and we'll send the wives to the meeting and uh, that'll get them out of our hair and we won't have to go to the meeting we'll just send them as our emissaries and uh, so on the Friday night they started the thing on Friday night and after dark and so I, I said well you know my wife talked me into made me feel guilty for not, not going to the meeting so I said okay I'll go and so I went to the meeting sat on the back row you know where most of the, the Baptists sit and uh, I went there and and uh, they it was like going to a church meeting you know they had testimonies and recognition and and people got up and told why they got in and how it changed their life and they listened to the tapes and and they went to these events and they met these really fabulous people that were uh, entrepreneurs and uh, man I, I I thought man this is just like going to church this is great and they they actually some of them would talk about making some pretty good money and and everything and so I told my wife I said I think we could do this and that's how I got hooked on the idea of doing it and uh, we were there for a couple of days and and uh, the, my upline diamond at the time uh, a guy by the name of Rick Setzer uh, uh, he was um, he put up a chart that's a uh, flip, flip flip chart that you signed if you was going to come back next year and wrote down what your pin level was going to be and it was kind of a goal thing that he was doing and, and so I hadn't signed the chart and almost everybody at the meeting had by that point in time and about one o'clock in the morning on Saturday night I found my sponsor and I said come with me and he he had this chart out in the lobby of the hotel and it was just covered with signatures people saying how great the meeting was and what they were going to do and proclaiming themselves as being the next superstars in the business and that kind of thing and I said to my sponsor Bobby I said how many of these people do you think will actually be back next year and he said well he says I think most all of them will you know they they're saying here that they're going to do this and, and he said I would just believe that they're going to going to do what they say they're going to do and and they'll be back and I said that's that's not going to happen I said 90% of the people that sign this chart will be out of the business in the next 90 days they'll quit because that's what the average average people do they quit right and uh, so uh, I wrote I signed my name to it and I said I'll be I'll be back and uh, and I said there's one person on that chart that we know for sure will be back and then the next year we were at, at uh, Hilton Head Island at the brand, brand new Hyatt Regency, and I brought 300 people with me to my 
first family reunion. We came all the way from most of all of us from Oklahoma, all the way to Hilton Head Island for this event. And uh, he assigned me a job uh, at the at the meeting, and my job was to park cars. And I thought of myself as a fledgling superstar. Couldn't figure out why I didn't get a better job than that. And uh, he says that at six o'clock in the morning, I want you to be dressed in a suit and tie, and I want you out front greeting every body who comes, and I want you to help unload their luggage, tell them where the registration desk is, and greet them and smile at them, and then I want you to park their car, tell them that, that Rick and Sue Lynn are happy that they're here. And so the next morning I woke up to a thunderstorm that it rained all day long. And ever, and I, I drafted a couple of my guys to help me with the parking stuff. And uh, they thought, they, they thought, well, you're really, really a superstar, Bob. <laughs> you're parking cars in the rain. You know, and that's how I got started. And, and uh, that night he let me speak for five minutes. I got five minutes on the program. And I got a five-minute standing ovation from the audience because I parked everybody's car that, is, that was in the audience. And that's how I got started, this, the future superstar of the business. You know, and, and uh, like I said, six-month bonus check was $3.63. But I worked really hard. I drove 96,000 miles. We had five kids, by the way. And, and the little ones were twins, boy-girl twins. And when you have boy-girl twins, uh, you know, babies, you know, one of them, they never eat at the same time, and they never poop at the same time. And uh, so, so you, you feed one and diaper the other, and, and then an hour later you diaper the one you fed and feed the one you diapered. And that's how we got started. People talk about having kids and family and how that, that takes a lot of time, and it does take a lot of time out of your day to be able to take care of the babies and we had a three-year-old on on top of that so uh, fortunately we had a, a couple of girls that were a little older uh, that could babysit a little bit so I made a deal with my wife I says if you'll if you'll take care of the house and and the, and the family for the next five years uh, I, and give me the freedom to go build the business and I had a, my own insurance agency at the time so I had a full-time business that I that I worked every day and I was in a meeting every night. I, the first year that we were in the business, out of uh, the first 314 days that we were in the business, I did 312 meetings. And, and the other two nights I, was, I had the flu, or I'd have done meetings those nights. So I kind of got my feet wet early on. By, there's not a backwoods two-lane two highway anywhere in Oklahoma and Texas that I haven't been on. And that's how I kind of get start, got started in the business. Let's talk about massive action because anytime you have success at the level that you've had, it's, it's taken a, a tremendous amount of work. You, you, you already said you didn't use your kids as an excuse. Use them as a reason to, to fuel your passion and fuel your business. But talk about massive action and why it's so important if you're looking to do something um, you know, phenomenal. Well, it is. It, you know, I put 96,000 miles, as I said, on my car and nearly wore it. That I, fortunately, I had a brand-new Cadillac that I would bought. And uh, that made it a little bit easier to, to take. But, you know, when you're driving 200 miles, 300 miles a day every day, you know, and, and it, had, it had a tape. Tape players were just getting started back in 1975. And very few cars even had a tape player. And so we had cassette tapes, and I'd listen to the tapes. And so my car became my university. It became, you know, the, the, they say you've got to do 10,000 events of some kind uh, if you're going to be a professional at anything, you know, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or, or a truck driver, you know, you, you put 10,000 hours in. Well, 
I easily put 10,000 hours, you know, into my business. And I tell people, my car started at 7 o'clock every night whether I was in it or not. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where when you listen to tapes, and never, I never turned the radio on. I listened to tapes everywhere, every place I went. Read books. It's a mindset. I discovered at that first event, I discovered that it's the way you think mm-hmm. that changes everything. You know, if you if you think you can or can't, you're right. And 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 the the better your mind reacts to ad, adversarial things, the better your mind reacts, the better you're going to do in life. In any profession, it doesn't matter whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a or a, a farmer. It doesn't make any difference. The more your mind has a positive mindset, and you get rid of the negatives, and you don't realize many times, like I did, finally finally did, that I was a negative person because if you'd asked me. Before that, uh, on a scale of one to ten, as a positive person, what would what would you rate yourself? I would have said I'm a nine or a ten, you know, because I mean I, I read books and and I was in the insurance business and I made pretty good money in the insurance business, and uh, you know I taught an adult Sunday school class at my church, and 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 you know I, I tried to give the positive gospel, you know, and and uh, that you can do anything you want, that God has blessed you with good health and and a dream and a vision of what you can achieve and so I tried to do that but after I was in the business for about six or seven months and went to some events I realized I was a two or a three on a scale of one to ten that's a positive person because I finally met some tens and you know most people in life don't grow up with a positive parents or grow up with positive brothers and sisters and I didn't either you know I mean my dad was a uh, he thought all those positive thinking books were negative you know and, and they were the re- he said the way those guys make money in there is writing books and idiots like you're the one that buy those books you know and, and I said no no it's, it's not that way dad I, you need to read this book and the first book that I ever read was called The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. David Schwartz and uh, I couldn't put it down and the second book that I read was the, uh, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Betcher and then the third book I read was Think and Grow Rich uh, by Napoleon Hill, and uh, and I and then I read uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, and uh, by Dale Carnegie. Another great one. And uh, you know, all, I I just I always had a book with me. Always, it was you know I used to buy the paperbacks and put them in my back pocket. You know, and if I had five minutes, if I was waiting on a meeting to happen or something, I'd get the book out and read it. And uh, I I read Think and Grow Rich every January for 15 years. In a row, I started my year off every January by reading the book *Think and Grow Rich* by Napoleon Hill, and uh, there are things that I learned in that book, and and part of it was just association. The great thing I got out of the business in the very beginning was, I, even though I wasn't making a lot of money, I was associating with people who had dreams and hopes and and uh, and would and listen to the same tapes I listened to, and so we could have conversations about, you know, setting your goals and. And the time commitment that you you make to business, and and how important it is to to share your vision, and you know always tell your story. My upline Dexter Yeager, who's the biggest network marketer in the history of network marketing, is the only true billionaire that's ever made as a distributor made billion dollars in the in the industry as a distributor. And Dexter used to say, you know, it's going to be your income is going to be directly in correlation with the books that you read and the people that you associate with. Absolutely. So I, I learned how to, that's one of the reasons why I like to hang out with you, because I like to hang out with somebody who's got a positive mind, 
and uh, a, a big vision. I think uh, having a big vision is important, obviously, um, and you want to be around positive people. What advice do you have for someone that, like yourself, you didn't even know you were you were somewhat negative, a lot more negative than you thought? What advice besides reading? I think reading's so important. What other advice do you have to help make them a happier, um, less negative person? Well, you know, it's a positive and negative is the discipline. And, uh, you know, most people are not very disciplined and that they make uh, excuses. And, you know, there's a guy by the name of, I, I listened and read all, all his books, uh, uh, pastor of the, of the uh, Crystal Cathedral in California, Dr. Robert Schuler. And our, Dr. Schuler says, uh, when you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. And the problem with self-talk many times is you, you know, I can't do that, or I, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not very good at speaking. Say that one more time. When you argue with your limitations, when you, you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. I like that. And 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 and, uh, you know, and he, he, his daughter had cancer in one of her legs, and and they had to amputate her leg at her knee, and he tells stories about how positive she is. That of all of his kids, the most positive one is the one who had her leg amputated. And uh, you know, there's a there's a great story. I mean, you know, reading the stories of people who've gone through trials and tribulations that that would just make anyone make a saint cry, mm -hmm. you know. And, and and they do magnificent things with their lives, and they and their testimony. You know, that's why I usually try to when I was having speakers come in from outside, I'd I'd find somebody who'd come through some kind of a hardship of some kind, you know, who grew up on a on a dirt farm, you know, and, and, and became, you know, one of the world's best surgeons in the world. And those, those kind of people that you never would have given a shot to, you never would have believed these people would actually become multimillionaires. You know that, that a third of Fortune 500 CEOs don't have a college education? A third of the Fortune 500 CEOs don't have a college, college degree. Sam Walton didn't have a, mm -hmm. uh, the founder of Walmart didn't have a college degree. And you, you meet these people and you feel you realize how successful that they are and you realize the hardships that they overcame. Uh, and, you, and then if you really have, have read the books and, and, and fed your mind to positive things, you begin to realize that if you've got a six-year-old son and he watches you achieve things, that he's going to achieve things. He's going to say, my dad was the hardest worker I ever knew, just like I, my dad was the hardest worker I ever knew. He worked 17 hours a day. I was just going to ask where you got your discipline from. Yeah, watching him. Watching him do the things. At the age of 31, he had Bell's palsy. And the doctor said, you have the, you're 31 years old, but you have a 52-year-old body. And, and that's because he'd worked himself so hard and worked 17-hour days, six and seven days a week. But he believed in himself, you know, and, uh, and he had a 10th grade education. So, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, when I, I, I committed myself to being a diamond in that business. And I thought it was going to take, they said, to, they said in the plan, it takes two to five years to build the business to diamond, to a six-figure income. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to do it in two. I'm going to do it in two. And he said, I said, what's the difference between somebody who does it in two and somebody who does it in five? And he said, well, you do in two years what it would take most people five years to do. It's not any easier. Right. If anything, it's harder. But 
takes two years mm -hmm. instead of five years. And as you get those extra three years of making a six-figure income, and you know, I'm, I made uh, over $52 million in commissions in my, in my network marketing business in the first 11 years that I was in the business. So, you know, it was, it was tough. There, was, there were lots of Christmases I spent on the road. There were lots of birthdays for my kids that I wasn't home to celebrate the birthday. You know, but I had a choice between making the money it would take to send them to college and having to give them an excuse why I can't afford to send them to college. And I thought, well, the difference between me missing your seventh birthday and you going to college may mean me going and doing a meeting. And, and those, are, those are decisions that are hard to make for a parent. Mm -hmm. And I admire people who have the ability to make those decisions and stick with them. And, and success is a, is a decision, just like failure is a decision. Weakness is, is a decision. When you say, you know, the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. It doesn't say let the strong say I'm strong. So every time somebody asked me, I had a heart attack a year ago and had a four-way bypass, I died on an airplane. And when everybody asked me, so, well, so how are you doing? And the first thing I say is, I'm strong. Doesn't matter how I feel today. Doesn't matter if I've been throwing up. I, I can walk out of the bathroom having thrown up for the last hour. And somebody says, how are you doing? I said, I'm strong. Because that's the way your mind works. If you think you're sick, you are sick. If you think you're weak, you are weak. And, and you can't change that until you decide in your mind that I'm going to change that. And that's what I did. I still today, I'm 73 years old, you know, but today I get up every morning and I say aloud to myself, of all the people that I know, you're the strongest. Of all the people who can take anything that life hands out, you can take it. I don't care what life dishes to you today because you've proven in the past that you can withstand almost anything. That's a great message. That, that, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And you know, and, and when you have that kind of attitude, when you get up in front of your group and you know that they're they're going through the same child rearing challenges that you went through, they they know that that you you were on the road, you know. And I, I used to carry pictures in my wallet of my kids when they were little, you know. And and if I went to a person's home and so 200 miles away and they didn't have a, they didn't spend any time inviting somebody, I say, why don't we put on a pot of coffee and and go to the kitchen, because the kitchen's where family is, right? So the living room is where you have guests, you have company, but the kitchen's where family is. So let's go to the kitchen and sit at the kitchen table and, and have a cup of coffee, and let me tell you some things about me that you don't know, and tell you why I'm successful at what I do, and how if you'll duplicate the things that I'm, I've been doing, and you'll begin to think the way I think, when you do those things, your whole life will change. People say, how do you get people to go to meetings? I say, I expect them to be there. Mm -hmm. And I let them know that I expect them to be there. And if they're not there, I call them and, and find out if they're sick. I say, you know, I called the sheriff's office and I called three of the four hospitals in town and you weren't in any of those things. So what happened to you tonight? Because you promised me you were ready to build a business. And if you're ready to build a business, you can't waste time with people that are time wasters. Right. And that's, and that's the challenge is people go out and sponsor people in the business who sign up as a favor mm -hmm. to them. And I so say, you, you don't understand. The favor is me letting you sign up. Mm -hmm. I was doing a meeting in San Diego about 20 years ago, and the guy had signed up, signed the application, and, and wrote a check to get in the business. And he says to me, what do I have to do if I want to quit? 
And I tore his application and his checkup and dropped it in his lap. I said, you just did. And he says, well, I didn't mean any offense. I said, you know what? I have no time for somebody who, before they even get started, is asking about quitting. Because that means you're a quitter. And I don't spend time with quitters. If you're already thinking about quitting and you haven't even had a meeting, I don't, I don't have any time for you. Because why should I let you ruin your life and ruin mine? All right. And those are the things that mean something to somebody. You know, it's building and building in depth and building with people. Listen, I, I had, I was the only guy in the history of the of that business, that had five, frontline diamonds, five five people that I sponsored, not people that I built with in depth and found in depth. Mm -hmm. I found, twenty five or thirty of those in depth as well, but I had five separate diamond legs, in the business, and I I could tell you, all my leaders. I could tell you the color of the carpet in their house. I could tell you the names of all their kids. I could tell you if they had a dog or a cat, and what their that person that, that dog's name was, you know, and and I could I, it, I've been in their house over and over and over again. I could find the bathroom without asking where it was at. And my I learned that from three or four people that were up line for me. Say they said, well, you know, you go into a, a town and and you stay in the nicest hotel. I go, no, I I go into town and I stay in, I stay in the house with the newest person. I said, really? I said, yeah, that's, that's how I found out, you know, where the pots and pans were. Because I get up in the morning, feed the kids cereal and breakfast. Do the dishes. There are dirty dishes in the sink. I do the dishes. Now, you tell me. I tell them to have a meeting in such and so place two weeks from now. Do you think they'll be there? They'll be there. I don't have to beg them. I don't have to threaten them. They'll be there. Because I built a friendship that is more lasting than anything else that anybody else would ever do. I'd sleep on their couch. So, you know, those are things that people, if they thought about it very long and thought it through, the mind, their mindset would change. When we talk about servant leadership, mm -hmm. but the reality of it is, is that most people don't understand how to serve. You know, Richard DeVos, the president of that company, Never, I never saw him ever sit down at a banquet. He, was, he had a place at the head table, but he, I never ever saw him sit down. Because as soon as the banquet started, he'd go get a coffee pot, put a towel over his arm, and he'd walk around to every table and pour coffee. And say hello to everybody. Treat him like they were one of his own kids. And I thought, said to myself, I watched him do that. And I thought to myself, see, see, don't listen to what people say. Watch what they do. Absolutely. And do what he did. You know, if you, if you love people, and it's tough. People say, oh, I'm doing this because I love people. Well, I, I love people too, but it's the toughest thing to do. Loving somebody in spite of their fears, in spite of their frustrations, in spite of the fact that they lie to you, in spite of the fact that they don't read the books or, or do the things that you've asked them to do, in spite of that, you love them anyway. Because that's how you'll get eventually to them to read the books, listen to the tapes. You know, it's just, you know, people say, how far? I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Dallas is 216 miles from my house. And they say, how far is Dallas? Where did you, you do a meeting last night? I said, well, I did a meeting in Dallas last night. So how far is it? I said, four tapes. 
tapes. Four tapes. I can listen to four tapes going to Dallas. That's how far it is. See, you're, you're worried about it being 216 miles. I'm worried about the fact that I might not be able to finish the tape when I drive back, back in my driveway at 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, I think we'll both agree that the best investment you can make is in yourself. And successful people look at that as an investment where other people are worried about what the cost is. That's right. What's going to cost me. That's right. And not That's what it's going to do for me. That's right. It's, it's a mindset thing. So for all the leaders that are out there that might be listening to this uh, podcast one of these days, you know, when I was at the diamond level in that business, my American Express bill was $50,000 a month. I'd love for you to get into talking about investing in your business. Because I think that's something that, you know, not, not enough people are doing. They're not treating it like a business. Yeah, you can imagine. I was at the Fountain Blue in Miami at a, a Dexter meeting, and there was about 4,000 of us that were emeralds in the business and, and above. And Dexter says, if your American Express bill is not $10,000 every month, you're not working your business hard enough. <laughs> My life. $10,000, are you kidding me? You know, at, in those days, that was like going to the moon, you know, to, to me. I couldn't even imagine my American Express bill. Matter of fact, I don't think American Express even sent me a card, you know, back in the day. You know, you, I was just hoping I had that my, my one uh, Capital One MasterCard was going to clear whenever I bought some gas, you know. So, you know, I, yeah, I've been there. I mean, I, I, rem I remember we bought tapes. You know, and pay, paid for tapes before we'd pay our house payment. I say, well, why would you do that? I mean, what happens if they, they come take your house? I said, well, if I don't have anything, many money to pay the house payments, they're going to take my house anyway. Right? So the investment in my myself, my, list, my listening to the tapes, it wasn't a question of, in my mind, of whether we could afford to buy the tapes. The question was, could we afford not to buy the tapes? Because it's it's the tape that you didn't listen to. It's the meeting you didn't go to. It's the book you didn't read. Jim Rohn used to say that all the time. You know, you, you're counting the cost of what it cost you to read these things, but you're not counting the cost of what it cost you not to. Right. You know? So I love leadership, leading by example, not talking the talk so much, but walking the walk, doing. Talk about leadership for a second. Well, somebody's watching you. You know, the reason why we have some of the, some of the kids we have today and in, 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 uh, problems in, with uh, teenagers today is because we have the problem is with the, the parents. The problem is that the parents didn't, didn't walk the walk. You know, if, if, you, if you're a, a believer in, in, in you, but you're doing everything to screw everybody else up, you know, when you say to somebody, I'll see you next Tuesday and it's 300 miles and you don't know what the weather, in the middle of the winter, you don't know whether it's going to have a snowstorm or not, and you drive through the snowstorm. The biggest group I ever had in the business in, the, in December of 1976, I had to drive 120 miles in a blizzard to get to, to the house in a place called Roland, Oklahoma. And the guy did $38 worth of business the month before. And he promised me he'd have a house full of people. Well, he didn't know it was going to snow like crazy. But I, and I drove 15 miles an hour to get there. And Highway Patrol was saying, you know, don't go out tonight because, of, you know, the, the blizzard's going to, going to close the roads and highways and stuff. And I, I knocked on his door at, at 8 o'clock to do the meeting. And he said, I, I canceled the meeting. I said, 
Don't you remember when I told you about doing the meeting that I don't accept cancellations? And he said, yeah, I remember you said that, but I didn't realize that you meant that in a blizzard conditions. I said, if I drive down here 98 miles to get to here, here to you, almost 100 miles, to get to you in a snowstorm like this, what else do you think I'd do to help you? So he says, I'll never question you again. So again, it goes back to leadership that leads. The problem is that people get to the point. I, I, when I made uh, Diamond in, in, the, in the business, I, I, I actually did a meeting, got invited to, because everybody wants the new Diamonds to come speak because you know the story is fresh and, and everything. And I'm kind of a egomaniac anyway. So you know they invited me to come in and speak. And I went to Dallas to do a meeting. and. Uh, uh, and, and I said to the guy that was a diamond, it was the first diamond in the Amway business, and he was an airline pilot for American Airlines, and his name was Pat Shea. And I said, Pat, I said, I said what, what piece of advice would you give me? I, I've just been in the business uh, 18 months, and I'm the newest diamond in the, in the company. I said, what kind of advice would you give me? And, and he said, don't stop. Don't take a break. Don't, don't go on vacation. If you do anything, double your workload. Because once you stop, starting again is really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. Once you stop. Yeah. I always tell people, celebrate the successes. Make them, um, make them short, pause, but don't stop because you're growing or dying in business. And what happens is sometimes people push so hard and reach a goal, they just take their foot off the gas. And That's as right. As you just said, once... And plus that. the fact I was addicted, you know, success is, is an addiction, you know, but it was a, it's a good addiction. You know, it's, it's one of those things when you get in the habit of getting up early, going to bed late, and you get, get in the habit of, of, of eight o'clock every night instead of watching TV. You know, I made my, myself a commitment that I, I love football, probably like a lot of people and a lot of guys in this world like, like football. And Monday night football was my favorite night of the week. And I just I always prayed for a cancellation on Monday night so I could stay home and watch football. And so one Monday night I got a cancellation and Dallas Cowboys were playing uh, Pittsburgh Steelers or something like that. And so I made some popcorn and sat down in my, my easy chair, my recliner, and I'm watching Dallas Cowboys play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And at halftime, my son comes in, who was at the time was about eight years old, and he comes in and he said, Dad, he said, what happened to your meeting tonight? And I said, well, you know, it got canceled. And he said, you, you told me you don't take cancellations. And he says, you, you told me that, that making, you don't make any money on football. And he told me that, that football was, you, you never got the most valuable player award for playing football. So when the company gives away the most valuable player award this next year, I guess we won't be seeing you on stage. I turned the TV off. That was the last time my son ever caught me watching TV on Monday night. There's no PV and TV. You know, so, so again, it goes back to when you talk about leadership, which is my favorite subject to talk about, and to really tell some, some stories of people that, that you just wouldn't have dreamed that they, when I went to my first Diamond Club, there were 42 people in uh, Key Biscayne, Florida. 42 people qualified to go to this Diamond Club, and I was uh, the last one to qualify to go that to my first Diamond Club. And I said to myself, 
I'll never miss one of these. Because you know why? They took a picture of the group, and they put the picture on the front of the company magazine next the following month so that everybody in the business got a copy of the magazine. And on the front cover, they got to see all the people that qualified. You know what they also got to see? The ones that didn't qualify. And I said, you're never going to see the magazine, the company magazine, with the Diamond Club members, current Diamond, current Diamond Club members, and not see my picture. And I'm going to be on the front row. And I made sure I was on the front row. Because I said, you know, whenever everybody in my group gets this magazine, I want them to be able to find my picture easy so that they know. See, that, that it comes back to, well, you know, I've been there. I've done that. You know, you can take the attitude. It doesn't mean that much to you or whatever else. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's got to mean something to you. It's got to mean that you, that you can take uh, your calendar. Like I carry a month at a glance calendar, and I write down all my meetings and all my conference calls, everything that I do. I write those down on my calendar. You know why I do that? Because sometime in the next month, somebody's going to walk, walk in and I'm going to ask to see their calendar. And I'm going to get my calendar out and lay it on the table right next to theirs. And I'm going to ask them what the difference between their calendar and my calendar is. So if you want to be living in the same community I live in, you know, at one time I had 13 cars. I had, a, I had the most expensive Ferrari you could buy and the most expensive Porsche you could buy. When I sold the Ferrari, it had 1,200 miles on it. I took it to meetings and parked it inside the ballroom and left it unlocked and didn't put any stanchions around it. And then the hotel manager would say, well, you know, you don't want people scratching up your, your Ferrari. I said, yeah, I do. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand by the Ferrari and take a picture with every single person that comes with the Ferrari. And then I'm going to open the door and ask them if they'd like to sit down in their Ferrari and then take their picture in it. Because you know who helped me buy that Ferrari? That person sitting in the seat. As a matter of fact, it's just as much their Ferrari as is mine. Leadership. See, if you if you're if you got something that's so precious to you that you can't let people touch it, you need to get rid of it. Because that thing owns you. You don't own it. And these are all leadership things that I talk to people about at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night over a cup of coffee in their living room or in their kitchen. Because the meeting after the meeting is more important than the meeting itself. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I asked a guy, a guy, pharmacist from a little town in Oklahoma one night. I said, uh, his name is Bob, too. And I said, Bob, I said, I said uh, so what do you think? Are you, are you ready to get started? And he said, oh, no. He says, uh, Bob, I, I, I'm, I'm so introverted that I'm a, when I put on my smock as a pharmacist and I get behind the counter, I never come out because I'm so shy. I could never do this. Two weeks later, I was back at that house doing a meeting. The person who walked in was the same guy. He had a coat and tie on. And, and uh, I said, well, Bob, it's good to see you, man. I never expected to ever see you again. And he said, I got to thinking about what I said to you. And I got to thinking to myself, is that the way I want to live my life? And he said, I decided to be like you. I said, man, welcome to, to the meeting. That's a good decision. Matter of fact, you'll probably be better than me. So again, it goes back to leadership. People are always saying to me, we're going to pass you up. 
And I go, come on around. Mm -hmm. I took my rear view mirror off a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So when you come around, just honk. And I'll know that you came around, but you won't be ahead of me very long. Talk about the importance of being coachable when you first start. Well, you know, I, I decided that you learn more when you're listening than you are when you're talking. And if you're talking, you're losing. And the best thing you can do when you're showing the business to somebody is ask them the right questions. I have five questions that I ask new people that if they answer these questions honestly, they'll get in the business. Because they've got to, people have got to, if you're listening, see, again, it goes back to people think that the business is about selling, but it's not about selling. Selling is about listening. It's not about talking. It's asking questions and listening to the answers. And that's, and that's what I'm really best at. When people say, so what, what, what do you do best? I go, well, I, I ask questions and I listen. Because if they answer these questions correctly, by the time they've answered the fifth question, they're in. And then they'll build the business. You know, the hardest thing that most of us have to do is get people to actually do something once they get in. How do you get people to do something? I, I take them by the hand, and I go out and do something with them. You have to do it with them. I do it, you have to do you it have with, to do them. with them. That's right. I, all I want you to do is invite people. Where did I learn that? I learned that from the Bible. Jesus had 12 disciples, and they came to him, and they said, when do we get to do the meeting? Jesus said, after I have a big event, and you'll be motivated. It's going to be a real motivational event. It's going to be really motivational. And when I come down off, off the cross they put me on, you'll be ready to do a meeting. And the problem that most of us have is we've never had, we've never had somebody in our life who, when they said they were, going to, they were going to help us, actually helped us. But if you're going to build a business, you know, that's why I go down and build in depth. I build a 100 levels deep in my organization. And I can tell you the names of every single person from 100 levels all the way back to me. Every one of them, without looking at my genealogy. So again, it goes back to if I know those people, I've been in their house, and I've pet their dog, and I've got, to, and I know the first names of all their kids. I've got a really unique relationship with that, with that couple. And you just say you spent the, you spent most of your time talking about this product or talking about that product. You know, the product I'm interested in is the friendship I'm building with this person. That's my product. You build the relationship, they'll buy the products. I never one time, our main, main product was laundry detergent. After 11 years and hundreds of millions of dollars of sales of laundry detergent, not one time did I ever have anybody look at me and say, man, you should see my jeans. I got the cleanest jeans in town. Not one time. Not one time did I ever go to the washing machine that was that was running with a load of laundry in it. Did I ever open it up and go, man, this is really great soap. But every single person in my in my business bought soap. I think obviously the relationship's the most important thing and a lot of people miss that, but you hear it all the time, you know. Know, like people uh, people buy from people they know, like and trust. Yeah. So that's right. That's exactly right. And when was the last time, you know, you, you called? people. Just call them at 7 o'clock in the morning. Hey, I was just thinking of you. I, I, I use that when I'm doing my basic trainings. I say, if I, if I called you every morning at 7 o'clock, and all I said to you it took 30 seconds of your time, and I said, I was thinking about you. I wanted, wanted to call you and tell you, have a great day. 
I'm thinking about you. And then I hung up. And on Tuesday morning, I called you and said, hey, I was just thinking about you again today. As a matter of fact, I think about you almost every day. I just wanted you to know I was thinking about you. If, if I called you 10 days in a row, would you be at the next meeting? And without me ever asking you about going to a meeting, you would, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. And you'd have a relationship with me that you'd say, you know, there's not one person in my life since, I, since grade school who's called me every day for 10 days and told me I was a great person. So it's not rocket science. It's just thinking. And, and if you read the books and you begin to, to start reading some of these personal achievement books and you realize that all people want you to do is let them talk about themselves. I got two ears and one mouth. It means I'm supposed to listen twice as much as I, as I talk. You know, I take people out prospecting at a mall, and I said, I'm going to show you how easy it is to, to find a, a pros make a prospect out of a stranger. So if, but that'd be a talent that you'd like to have, wouldn't it? So I, I'm, I'm, we'll go to the, the cosmetic counter because the girl at the cosmetic counter is fun to talk to. So we'll go to the cosmetic counter, and I'll say, do you have this or do you have that or what do you recommend for this, that, and the other? My girlfriend's, you know, da-da-da-da, and I'm looking for a gift for her. And, they, and I strike up a conversation. And we do that two or three times, and then we go sit down and have a cup of coffee. And I said, so what did you learn today? And they say, well, I learned that it's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy to make a friend out of somebody that you want to listen to. He says, you let them do all the talking. And I went, that's what I've been telling you for the last year. You let them do the talking. So anyway, that's kind of my 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 success story. You know, is built on that. And and uh, my fourth year in the business, I should I should tell you that I had seventeen thousand people out of my group in Reunion Arena. And just four years earlier, you know, I had three people at my house. And from three people at my house, and a three dollar and sixty three cent bonus check, we had seventeen thousand people. And oh, by the way, my guest entertainer for that event in Dallas was Johnny Cash. It's awesome. Any last words you want to share for someone that's just getting started or even someone's been in, in, in you know, business for a while they're just trying to figure it out still and they may be stuck? Well, you know, people get stuck a lot. And usually it's because of something that they let get to them that they, they shouldn't even have paid any attention to. You know? It's, it's really, I'm going to, you know, I, my dad used to say this to his congregation. He used to say, welcome to our church. We're going to treat you so many different ways you're bound to like one of them. And I thought that's, that's a pretty good way to, to meet strangers and welcome them to a meeting. We're going to treat you so many different ways you're bound to like one of them. And see, I, I start the day every day by saying, this is who I am. I'm a person that people like to be around. And you know why they like to be around me? Because I listen. And I'm a pretty interesting guy. I've done a lot of things. Some of them were actually worthy of talking about. But you know, if you, when, you, when I was making $500,000 a month, it didn't make any difference to me. I, I went to the bank one time, my bank, and I, I made a $65,000 deposit. And I asked the teller behind the counter, I said, uh, what's my balance in that account? And she 
take the deposit slip and she wrote the, my balance. It was $712,000. And the last time I remember asking what the balance of my account was, I was overdrawn. And so, you know, when you really think about it, you say, well, you did it for the money. I went, no, I did it because I wanted to be somebody. And the money doesn't make you anybody. You just want to be somebody. Somebody people want to be around. So when, you, when you're working on yourself, as Chris just said, when you're working on yourself, the most important thing you can do is become somebody's best friend. I just that's all I want. The money will take care of itself. Trust me. If you're somebody people want to be around, and you're in the network marketing industry, and you're with a good company that's managed well and has a vision, a future, there's nothing better in life. Appreciate you coming on this morning. Thank you very much.